As the official healthcare provider of Minnesota United, Alina Health is focused on keeping our loons in top condition. And with expertise in orthopedics, sports medicine, heart care, and more, Alina has the team to keep your family in the game too. The experts at Alina Health take the time to get to know you as a whole person, helping you achieve wellness for your mind, body, and spirit. It's an altogether better kind of healthcare. Learn more at alinahealth.org. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Sound of the Loons presented by Alina Health. We are like way deep down into November, almost into December. I can't believe it. And there's no snow here in Minnesota, which is kind of shocking. It's a little bit cold, but uh, we're not deep in the winter quite yet. But I cannot believe we are like in the postseason. We are in the conference finals. We're going to talk about these semifinals, but it's like at the beginning of the year, you feel like, holy cow, are we ever going to get to this point? 34 regular season games, plus Leagues Cup, plus everything else thrown in there. U.S. Open Cup playoffs, international breaks. And here we are almost in December and we're winding down the season. So I have the privilege and the honor to be joined by the legendary Bradley Wright Phillips, who has taken time out of MLS 360 family life, Red Bulls activities, all of the above. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Kendra. Hope you're well. Let's go. Let's talk. Yes, let's talk about this because I wanna I wanna, you know, get your take on how let's let's start out with Apple and MLS and the 360 show. I just want to like yeah. give people a look behind the curtain to what that is like. I mean, I'm out at the stadium, so I don't get the yeah. you know, the behind the curtains like the Wizard of Oz, what happens? How what has that been like for you and what have you enjoyed most about it? What's been the biggest challenge? I mean, how have you enjoyed the broadcasting life? Well, first of all, you got to come on the show one time. We need some people, you know, come and we can make substitutes, you know, because it's been very tough. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot in a, um, in the evening. A lot of fun. Obviously, for me, it's my it's my first like broadcasting analyst. It's like a, a very new experience for me. So in the beginning, it was learning. You know, you walk into a big studio cameras, lights, uh, earpiece in, people telling me what to do. I was like a like a deer in the headlights, and I didn't know what was going on. But after a while, you get used to it, figure out where you can fit in, in the pockets and just learn to try and be yourself. And it's been fun, but the days and the hours, you know, on a Saturday, it, it can be very long, but I've enjoyed it. When you talk about, um, let's give people also, I mean, I should recap. I assume that everybody knows everything about your career and your legendary soccer career, but just recapping a little bit, you were born over in London in the United Kingdom, yeah. you played over there, and then you came over to Red Bulls, which is what people might care about most if they're tuning into this podcast, your exactly. historic career in Major League Soccer, and especially what, what you did with the New York Red Bulls. I mean, you you eclipsed just about everything, one multiple supporter shield, MLS best 11, all-star, I mean, unless we could go down the list. But what is it about then being into the broadcasting side of things? Did you ever think when you retired, because you just retired technically in March yeah. of 2022, you signed a one-day contract with the Red Bulls to, to retire as a Red Bull. 
what did you ever think that you would end up on this side of things or did you think you'd maybe do coaching? I mean, what were your thoughts? Yeah. I was, you know what? I, I do a bit of coaching now uh, with the Red Bull, the second team, Red Bull 2. That's the thing I wanted to stay away from coaching. I was never one of those players that, you know, um, would tell you the game tactically. I didn't care. I just cared about getting in behind and scoring goals. <laughs> you know, what midfielder would give me the ball? I was that kind of player, you know? Um, so no, I didn't think about um, coaching, but broadcasting, it was on my mind because... Um, I don't know if anyone, my dad used to play football. My dad played for Arsenal and when he finished, <clears throat> naturally, he just went straight to television. So naturally for me after, I was like, oh, maybe that's something, you know, I'll do, you know, monkey see, monkey do. So it was always something I wanted to try and get involved in, especially later in my career. Uh, I was a bit nicer to the media. I try and, you know, introduce myself to people and be a bit more friendly. So, you know, I could maybe work my way in there. It's something I thought I'd be okay at. Yeah. It's so I weird, man. When you're retired and you go to something new, it's so different, right? Well, it's new, but it's familiar. It's, you know, and um, what I have found, and maybe you can understand this too, is sometimes I try to call a game like I'm watching on my couch. You know, I try yeah. to be relatable to people. My husband played soccer. My daughter plays soccer now. So when we're at home and we're just watching games and I'm like, oh my gosh, what was that? You know, who's, what's he doing here? What's whatever. We're talking about the game. I try yeah. to then do that when I'm calling a game so it can be relatable and conversational to people. Do you find you have the ability to do that in the studio or is it a little more challenging? Cause it's a more scripted, not scripted set, but I mean, you have yeah. a more of a structure to it. Okay, so initially, that's how I looked at it. Like you, I, when I watch football, I'm like, why don't I don't want it to be so, so robotic? You know, I want people to see me through the, yeah, through the game. <clears throat> excuse me, through the game they're watching. But I find you're right. In the studio, it's a little bit different. I tried that in the beginning. I was like, yeah, man, it's like, duh, duh, duh. and you know, you got a broadcasting coach, and she's like, no, you you can't just say that. You know, you got to let them know who you're talking about. I'm like, oh yeah, obviously. You know, <laughs> so th there's there's a balance. There's there's ways of doing it and, and ways of bringing your personality out. I'm still working on that. Uh, I feel like I'm quite a fun person, you know, interesting person. So I'm working on bringing that person out a little bit more, but it's, it's been tough. I'm trying to get the basics and then I can go forward and, you know, introduce the, the world to me almost. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, you know, and it takes time too with broadcasting partners, right? I mean, I've been fortunate for most of my games to be able to work with Kevin Egan and you've worked with Kevin Egan in the studio. Legend. Um, well time, yeah, when he's filled in. So it's tough not to have a smile on your face when you're working with a guy yeah. like that with that kind of energy. And sometimes the people you're working alongside, it just takes time to get that yeah. flow, to get that energy. And you guys are bouncing around to a million different games at one time. As we know, there's 14 games at one time in a regular season um, situation. So we've enjoyed being able to tune into you guys when we can, which is also hard when you're on site yeah, for a yeah, game. game. Yeah. We have like our phones set up, you know, but you're like <laughs> prepping and doing your thing and trying to like focus on what you guys yeah. are talking about at the same time. So it's been fun to tune into you guys and, and watch the season as it's progressed. Um, and the other thing is, is having an earpiece in it all the time. Do you go home at night feeling like you have pieces in your head? <laughs> no, but uh, there was a few times in the beginning on the 360 show where I would answer producer Jeff. So he'll be saying something to me. I'll be like, yeah, right. And it's like live <laughs> on TV. People are looking at me like, what are you talking about? You know, <laughs> I'm answering what he's saying. You know? Yeah, no problem. I got it. And I'm just like, oh, wow. it, it, it took me so long to get used to. <laughs> Or That's like crazy. if you if you um, are in the middle of a thought and there's a producer in your ear, it's hard to keep talking. Yeah, listen to what they're saying. See that out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a tough one too. Yeah, that I mean, yeah. I, to, to this day, I still have that issue. You know, I'm always like, okay, I just want to shout. I just want to shout. Shut up. 
Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, hey, I get it. I totally get it. Um, let's talk a little bit about these MLS games coming up and the season in general. Um, and then at the end, we'll, you know, kind of put a big bow on it and talk about Minnesota United and what they have going on in the offseason and what that can mean for a player as you've been there, done that um, when there's a coaching change and um, and what that does for a club. But when you look at this MLS season, what has struck you the most about it? Because you're not long retired. And then there was Leagues Cup thrown in the middle. It's a lot of competitions. It's a lot of games all good things for this league and where it's grown to, but what has struck you the most about this league in this season? Um, I'd say the surprises. I'd say at the beginning of the season, I, I, I'll dread looking back at my predictions, mm -hmm. but I'm not, I'm not thinking of St. Louis winning the West. I didn't think Houston, you know, with Ben Olsen, I played against Ben Olsen teams, you know, they're more combative. They're not as pretty on the eye. I didn't think they'll be as good as they are. Cincinnati, that's a wooden spoon team. They had the best team in the East, you know. So I'd say the surprises, and then as a forward, I got to go with some of the the strikers, and I'll just mention it two with Cucho and then Denny Buanga. Watching those guys <clears throat> all season has been a joy, you know. I think they're they're elevating the league, the level of forwards, and I can name more Jaco Marquez. There's a few more, but the level of uh, strikers has, has now risen. It's gone up, and I'm excited to see what that brings next season. When you can see with a team that maybe doesn't have a go-to striker, a go-to number nine, how that can really change the way that team has to play or maybe how they have to struggle a little bit more, fight a little bit more. Even like a, a Cincinnati with Vasquez, maybe not scoring as many goals as he has, but you've gotten contributions right. elsewhere. It's a little bit more of a scoring by committee almost with them. And they've had some revelations in other parts of their roster. But you having been a forward and you know golden boot, done it all, what is it that about those strikers or about a team having a true number nine that you can just lean on? What does that do for a team? Okay, you look at LAFC. It's the perfect example. So LAFC now, they don't play the attractive football we'd seen previously. They, they've stopped valuing the ball as much. And they because they have Denny Bowanga, they just know they need to, they can just be in a game. Stay in the game. And with somebody like that, somebody that good, uh, also Kucho, you have a chance of winning the game. If you can stay in the game long enough, they're going to have a moment and and more often than not, they don't need more than one chance. And that's the that's the difference between teams having a a, a great striker. Even when I look at this Houston and, and LA game, I think Houston will have more of the ball. I think they played a better football. But if you're asking me who's more dangerous, who's going to get it done quicker, who can get it done in one chance, I'm talking about Danny Bowango. I think Houston would be a way better team if they had a recognized number nine. If you put Jacques Marquez on Houston's side, imagine how good they will be if they just had that person that just, it doesn't care about too much of what's going on outside of the box. But when the ball goes in the area, he's trying to get on the end of a cross or the end of a, a through ball. Changes the team completely. Well, and that was uh, admittedly from Ben Olsen saying that, you know, their DP striker that they had wasn't cutting it. They've spent a lot of the season trying to figure out who that was going to be. And then you look at Corey Bear gets thrown up there and he had some chances <clears throat> in that yeah. last game that he didn't put away. And they end up winning, you know, one nothing on a header off a quarter kick from your outside back, which, again, you're getting goals from places that aren't necessarily your number nine. So yeah. it does make yeah. a massive difference. Listen, like Corey Birdie's had a great season and he'll get it done sometimes. But when you're in the playoffs, you don't need sometimes. You need you need somebody that can take a chance in the 13th minute and maybe that's the only chance. And and that's what it comes down to in the playoffs. It's those those tight moments, those little opportunities. 
on the opposite side of things, you know, we talked about or asked you about your biggest surprise and you named some positive ones, but anything surprised you on the opposite end of things like TFC still, you know, on the yeah. struggle bus in the situation there, but to that point, and I don't know how much you can d- deep dive into what happens behind the scenes and you know, all sorts of people within the league, but when you have some big name guys, right? Like Bernadeschi and, I mean, CBA and there was all sorts of stuff made throughout the season. Maybe nobody knows exactly unless you were in that locker room knowing what happens. But how does that and can that affect the team? And did anything surprise you with Toronto or Bob Bradley or Michael Bradley? I mean, anything on the negative side of things, you know, the more challenging side of things that surprise you about teams? Yeah. um, So if you want to stay on Toronto, what surprised me was the the squad they have on paper. And then those two big names you mentioned, Bernadette and Insigne. Then you have the experience of Michael Bradley. I didn't think they'll be as bad as they were. Then and, a, and an experienced coach of Bob Bradley. It was very surprising to see them week in week out not be able to figure it out. But then it goes back to what you said. If you have two big players in the locker room like that, two big personalities, and they're not pulling their weight or playing well, or there's some things being said behind the scenes, that can be toxic for a locker room. So it doesn't matter how talented the team is. If you have two big personalities not turning up, having little issues. It, you can see on the field that it's not, it, they're not getting it done. Um, Toronto's form this year was a very big surprise for me. There's more, but, but the season's so long. I can't even remember <laughs> some of the things. I'm going to get off of this show, this show and be like, wow, why didn't I bring that up? There's no better time than the holidays to gift the game to the special Loons fans in your life. Everyone loves a snow opener, and with MNUFC's first five and holiday pack ticket packages, you can be there for the 2024 home opener and then some. Whether you want a spot at the first five games or just the first two, these packages give you the flexibility and security you need to make sure you don't miss the beginning of the next chapter in Minnesota United history. There's something else I'm missing. How about how about Messi coming to the league? Was that a surprise to you, or did you like what's that do for this? Shep, this? Shep, Shep Messi told us, man. Shep Messi called it. He said, <laughs> he said Messi will be here. Um, yeah, surprise when it first happened. Obviously, um, I think I've got so used to it now. You know, having the greatest player for me of all time playing in our league is it's been amazing. The one thing about Messi that you'd say you've I've, I've been lucky enough to watch him in the Champions League before, but you know when you watch someone from afar. And you know they're amazing. But he's got a little bit older and you think, okay, when he comes here, is he going to be that same person? Is he going to be able to have these magical free kicks, weave in runs and and still produce uh, consistently every week? It's so surprising that he can do that every week. Like every game he's called upon, pressure moments with the whole of the world watching him now. And and he can still score a last minute free kick. He can still find that amazing part. It, It was honestly a joy to watch. I was lucky enough to get out to a couple of the games live and, I was in awe still as a 38-year-old man, like just just looking at him like I'm a child, you know. He's he's changed the game for us in America and it, it could only be positive. When you look at this season and um now to the point that we're at, and I know you don't we're not gonna hit on like predictions from the beginning of the season because it's nearly impossible. And that's part of the beauty of this yeah. league, right? Is the parody 
of the league that you literally anybody could beat anybody on any yeah. given day. And that's why yeah. part of the reason why we love this league. So when you look at how the Western and Eastern Conference semifinals went down, because at least last weekend when you were doing 360, there was less games at one time yeah. that you could try yeah. to keep an eye on. When you look at the 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 matchup between Philadelphia and Cincinnati, so many storylines behind that one, just with Pat Noon in the front office, the coaching, the history, Jim Curtin, Alejandro Bedoya out of contract. Yeah. I mean, we could like go down the list. Luciano Acosta, the season he's had, Barrial sure. coming out of nowhere, the goalkeeper for Cincinnati, Salentano, Pat Noonan. What did you love most about that matchup? I know the game wasn't necessarily the prettiest, but yeah. when you look at the Eastern Conference semifinal, what did you see? Honestly, love most. I didn't enjoy that game, if I'm being honest with you. I feel like both of those teams, since you have done, they, they've been able to to use the momentum, the their home form and, and how good they've been all season. But I think after League's Cup, none of those teams have impressed me. I think Philly all season have been on that that hangover. And I'll, and I'll give them a little excuse here. Last season, they go all the way to the final, they lose. It isn't easy to now dust yourself off and, and go and be that, that same team you were. Players getting older, you know, um, it's hard to, 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 like I said, go again. And I think with Cincy, for me, we're always going to win that game. I just don't think Philly have been firing on all cylinders. And I think if you look at it through form, you know, Cincy at home will just manage to get it done. they got the, the league's best player. He's going to have moments, even though he was a little bit quiet, he's going to have moments in the game. But that game didn't impress me. The, the Columbus and Orlando game, now that was an um, exciting game to watch. Um, it was again what I expected. I expected Columbus to have the ball. They played some some fabulous football this season. Columbus have always been a team I've liked and and struggled to play against because of their the way they play. But now Wilfred Nancy's just added a tempo and a little more. They're a little more deliberate, so they're not just passing to pass the ball now. Now it's like here, here into a danger man, turn a pace, chance. You know, it's it's fun to watch, and I thought. Um, Going into Orlando and winning there, not many people have been able to do that this season. And that game was really exciting to see the clash of styles. Well, with Wilfred Nancy, it's interesting when we do our coaches' calls with him. Like, I always find his, um, the way he conveys what he's trying to accomplish, he's so very specific and thoughtful about it. And everybody seems to know their role, even though one guy yeah. can play five different roles. I mean, that's a big <laughs> thing for yeah. him is to be able to do yeah. that. Um, and the fact that Montreal didn't find a way to keep him or whatever else, you know, whatever goes on there. But I thought when they got rid of Lucas Zellerion, you're thinking, what are they thinking? What is What are they doing even with Diego Rossi coming back in? But Cucho has taken on that role. Maybe that's what they needed. No, you know what? I'll be honest with you. I'm a big fan of Lucas. I spent time with him at Columbus. Uh, One of my favorite players to just to watch, you know, unbelievable technician. But for a team, it, it almost made sense for me because I've Lucas is one of those players. He's either he's either going to win you the game, but he might lose you the game because he's not fully a team player. If you understand what I mean, I'm not. The game means as much to him as uh, to me as it means to him. He, he's not taking any shortcuts. It's just how he plays. It's more give me the ball and let me figure it out. Whereas you bring in Diego Rossi, it's more of a team player that can also get you some production. You know, he's going to work off the ball. He's going to, you know, not get in Cucho's way. So it, it's smart for me. You know, I know in the outside world, it looked like, what the hell, this guy's an amazing player. Just for the team in general, I think is a, a very smart acquisition. And then moving to the Western Conference, we just talked about Houston and, and Ben Olsen and what he's done with that group. And 
uh, really turning things around. And then we'll get to the LAFC Seattle match. But when you look at this Houston game, and I said the same thing leading into the game. I've been, because I've been covering the Western Conference mostly, right, with Minnesota United for the past six yeah. years, I had seen Houston. And you're like, no matter what coach they had, the changes, the roster, whatever it might be, even last year, it wasn't Ben Olsen, but even last season with Hector Herrera coming in, World Cup year, all the expectations, there is something different about this Houston Dynamo team and watching them ping the ball, play the ball, pass the ball, the movement is so different. And I think having, I mean, uh, Bossy in the middle really helps them. Yeah. And when Coco Carrots yeah. is doing his Ooh, thing. Yeah. And then the left-hand side with um, Quinones, you know, he yeah, had a couple yeah. of chances. What impressed you the most about that game and, and that team in particular? Honestly, it was the just the passages of play, the, how the ease to get out. I was really impressed with Artur. Again, I played with Artur at Columbus. Artur, Herrera, and Karaski at work. They were they were fabulous. I don't I don't remember them giving the ball away often. Um, who, uh, sorry, yeah, they were they were just fabulous on the ball. The way they controlled the game. The only thing for me was yeah, them in front of goal. They don't score enough goals. But what really impressed me about them is defensively, mm -hmm. and that's where Ben Olsen comes into it. I'm not sure how much Ben Olsen has to do with the the ticky tack of play. I think maybe he gives them a freedom, you know, and Herrera kind of runs the show there. But when it comes to a counter press. Um, rest defense moments with defenders not giving their um, attackers any time or space when they did lose the ball they got it back so quick that's a that's a good team that's a dangerous team when you're you're good on the ball and and then against the ball yeah, as good um, you can see why they've got this far well and it felt like sporting kansas city maybe their time just ran out i mean they were on such a run since may and they had you know to to win the wild card game and then to beat st louis the way that they did i felt like maybe Maybe the break hurt them in the sense that they had such momentum and it's a lot of time. I mean, they had 21 days between games to try to That's a long time to cool off a little bit. And they just didn't look like themselves, I didn't think, in that game. They and I agree, but if I'm thinking about it, it's because of Houston. What I think, listen, Sporting Kansas City, they want to play a little bit of football, but they are deadly in the in the transition with Johnny Russell, Salawi, and, and Polito. Or sometimes they can play a long ball up to Polito, he can hold the ball up and and bring players into the game. He had no time or space. Anytime Pedido got the ball, it was shut down. The centre-backs were brilliant. And, and when you don't get to have those transition moments, that's why I was so impressed with how quick Houston were getting the ball back. It didn't give SKC a chance to get into any rhythm whatsoever. Yep, totally agree. I, I felt the same way, especially when you Shallowy and Russell are just like super frustrated because they're not able to kind of do their thing and have their breakout moments and use some of their qualities going forward. Then the big one in the West, right? LAFC in Seattle. I don't know if I'd call it the marquee matchup because every game felt like had something yeah, to it. Something, but yeah. When you look at this Seattle side and LAFC, did you think that it was going to be a, a no problem? It was going to be a win for LAFC? Or how did you see that one before it happened? Listen, I from a few weeks back, I had Seattle to go all the way. Just because I was looking at them, they look balanced all round. But when it gets closer to the game, you can't bet against Danny Bowanga. It's what I'm saying earlier in the show. I also know Seattle, they have a problem scoring. It's another team, that a very honest team, good footballing team, some experienced players, a lot of MLS Cup winners. But Jordan Morris isn't a... He's not a killer. And whenever I look at a game, I look at, okay, I don't care about who's going to have the most possession. I don't care who's... I think who will get you a goal, you know, out of nothing. And that's Danny Bowanga. 
that goal is in Seattle's hands. I mean, that game is in Seattle's hands. This isn't even a chance, Kendra. This isn't a chance that Boanga gets. It's just a ball out left. <laughs> and then from there, it's just pace, power, and ability, and a great goal. And that game, was it was fun to watch, but I knew Seattle would have to be careful. If you're not going to take these chances, these little opportunities you're getting, Danny Boanga is going to punish you. Well, and you wondered, too, if in those moments, without having been, you know, covering Seattle day in and day out and in that locker room, like the Rui Diaz stuff and the Ladero stuff, you know, just how much that can start to play on a group, the lacking of confidence, the, you know, in those moments when it comes down to the wire, you really have to be a cohesive group. Am I wrong? I mean, you've played in these moments, so you have to be cohesive in those moments. You do, but I, I did, I do think Seattle... I thought they would have enough because of the experience they've had. And I think, I just know now they're in a place where it's like changing of the guard. You know, the senior players would now be Jordan Morris, Rodan, Rusnak. These will be the guys and then a few younger ones will, keep, will come up, you know. I think it's just that they're in a little slight transition period. And then moving on to the actual conference finals, you know, we're, we're going to not deep dive into it because we just hit on so many of these. But when you look at this matchup in Cincinnati, in Ohio, the hell is real, whatever we're calling it these days. I mean, it's almost like it was written this way, right? I yeah, mean, and I know yeah. you, you always have conspiracy theorists, theorists yeah. in every league that somehow, especially with some of the goals that were scored, that it was somehow, you know, conjured up this yeah. way. <laughs> but you couldn't no. have an any more perfect scenario in the East than these two teams playing and Cincinnati hosting. And we'll get to, you know, the missing of Matt Miazga still and what that maybe does for the Cincinnati side. But what do you see from this matchup coming up? Uh, first of all, just excited. I feel like any game in Cincinnati, that them fans are, they're unbelievable. And sorry to my Columbus family, you know, <laughs> but I have to be honest. You've got great fans too, Columbus, but just the atmosphere in that stadium is unbelievable, one. Then you throw a derby into that pot. And then you throw a Costa, Cucho, you know, Vasquez, all these players, Bupenza, Rossi, it's going to be amazing. But you bring it up. I look now and I say, okay, no Matt Miazka, part of the spine of the team. Mm-hmm. Wobodo doubtful. I don't know if, if uh, you know, Wobodo is going to be there. This is massive for this game. This is, it's a game changer. And if you're asking me how I see it going, I see Columbus coming out of there with a win. But as a neutral and as someone that just loves watching the game, do not miss that match. Please do not miss that match. It's going to be unbelievable. Action everywhere. Top players everywhere. Great atmosphere and uh, some goals too. Okay, you just mentioned Wobodo, who, I mean, is worth his weight in gold. And I feel like I personally, having been a center mid way back in my lifetime, I'm old now. But (laughs) I don't feel like the holding mid sometimes get as much appreciation. And you maybe can speak to this as a forward, like how important that piece is. Not the 10, but the 8 and the 6. We can talk about Aiden Morris, Darlington, Nagby for Columbus. So you're talking about these holding mids, Moreno uh, for Cincinnati. What does that mean if they're missing Wobodo? And will Cincinnati get eaten up alive in there? Will Acosta be able to do what he needs to do without that cover? Well, basically, if you're, for anyone watching, if you love watching Acosta and and all these players play Bupenza and and love getting the flair players on the ball, you need Wobodo to get the ball back. He's the guy that gets you the ball back to play to those those kind of players. When when your team is under the cost, you have a Wobodo running back, working tirelessly for the team. 
on the side of the ball, starting the game, you know, getting the ball off of defenders and starting and bringing those player players into the game. There's no more, there's not a more, I shouldn't say more important player, but after a goal scorer for me, I'm a goal scorer, it's got to be biased. It's, it's, a, it's a defensive midfielder. All the great teams need one. All the great teams have one. So how does somebody like Nagby so like still do what he does? You've seen him now. He's been in this league for a long time. Oh. And he just seems to keep, you know, I don't know. He sort of just goes about his business in the center of midfield. Doesn't, you know, get a lot of the headlines and, and whatnot. How does he still I, do what he I, does? I don't understand how Darlington is not spoke about as around this league. As I just, I don't get it, honestly. I've played against him which is horrible because, you know, as a striker, when you're playing against that, sometimes you got to run back and help, you know, take care of a midfielder. And wow, that play, he was so annoying. Um, I don't know. He, there, there's nothing he can't do. The only thing I'd say about Darlington is he's a, when you meet Darlington, he's a, he's a lovely man. He's chilled. So sometimes he takes the game like that. There's times I've seen Darlington, when he gets a little angry, he can literally get the ball and dribble past five, six players and score a goal. <laughs> That's how good he is. Um, I don't know how he he, he keeps it up. Um, he's just a very naturally gifted player. He's always checking his shoulders. Um, strong, you know, not just good on the ball. If you do get, if you're lucky enough to get close to him, you, you've got to be strong too, or you have to foul him. Uh, so talented. He goes down for me as like in my top three midfielders to play with, and that's just not just here. That's in England too. Quality player. He's on the way. He could be winning a fourth MLS Cup. Like, why do we not talk about this guy? It, it's crazy. At different teams, too. Yeah. At different teams, not one team, you know. So mm -hmm. give that man his flowers. Yeah, I, I agree. And, um, the, you know, the midfielders on the other side, when we look at the Western Conference, can be somewhat similar. I don't know that um, – and correct me if I'm wrong. When I look at LAFC, for some reason, I don't feel as strongly about the central midfielders and the holding mids. And that's nothing against them in, and you're you know, right. in particular. But it's not like as much of a standout situation where it is for like Houston, right? You can talk about Hector Herrera. You just talked about Artur. If you didn't have yeah. those two guys in the middle of the different pitch, team. totally different team. And they're both very, in my in my view, unassuming and sort of not needing the spotlight. I could be completely wrong, but that's just sort of my take on watching them play, um, especially Artur. I think he just kind of sits in there and does his thing and, and is okay with that. What do you see from the Western Conference matchup? I mean, what is going to be the difference besides Danny Bawanga in this so LA Houston game? I'm telling, you, I'm telling you, that's the difference. How do you stop him? I know it's boring. I know it's boring, but that's the difference. I think stopping him, Houston need an early goal, first of all, but they need to possess the ball more. And then when they do lose the ball, it has to look like SKC, they need to get that back quick. They have to stop any transition moment. And that's hard. And then you look at it, they got Dorsey that loves to fly up the right. Where does Danny Buanga hang out? Yep. On, the On left that left side. side. Yep. So, and that's so dangerous. So you said it, that you, you don't really notice their midfield anymore. It's not like Atuesta, Mark, Anthony K and, and the team blessing when they three were a problem for the whole league. It's not like that anymore. They don't care. They, they, defend, um, they defend well. They've experienced back there. They battle, they fight. If that ball drops and there's a, a moment to get it to Buanga, you're in trouble. So I hate to be boring, but that's how that game will look. I, I expect Houston to to have more of the ball. I'm not saying as much as they did against SKC, but have more. But we have to understand LAFC, they don't care. They're not the LAFC we used to know. They do not care if you have more. They're, they're way more comfortable in a lower block. They're way more comfortable defending. 
And also, not just Eddie Buanga, they're, they're good in set pieces now. They're good off of set pieces. They score a lot of goals from set pieces. I think, I think LAFC get out of there with a win, man. I think the two away teams win. Well, and you haven't even mentioned Carlos Vela. I mean, how crazy is that, right? Is, I mean, we're talking about exactly. Denny Buanga. It's like, we and that's my guy, like... too. And that's my guy, too. But that's how good uh, Denny Buanga has been. Hey, shout out to Carlos Vela, actually. Last game, there's been all season, I've got little glimpses of him and he looks tired. I know he struggles with a few injuries. In the last game, he didn't have a say too much on the ball, but you could see his, his sharpness was there. But he was back. He was working against the ball. Um, and he looked more up for the game. So that's a dangerous sign also for Houston. That's that's a little bit worrying. If you're getting Carlos Vela sharp and a more match fit, could be problems. So in the final, you have, and then who do you have winning it? Oh, you can't ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have you back you on can't. next week. <laughs> <laughs> you have to have me back on next week. And then what do we talk about? I told you so. Um, no, you but you think Columbus? I gotta see if these predictions are right for I do think Columbus. I think Columbus. Okay, so you LA. think Columbus goes in there and finds a way to get it done. And then you also yeah. think LAFC is gonna find a way. I'd love to be in, you know, Ben Olsen's video room this week to see what he's conjuring <laughs> he's up. He's gonna have this up. He's gonna have this up, this video saying that Bradley said they're gonna you know. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be um, one of those old school man marking where somebody's literally gonna follow Denny Bawanga. And even then, yeah. you know, good luck. Carlos Vela's free. Yeah. Even then, good luck, and then Carlos Vela's free. So, yeah, that's exactly, yeah. It's like a two-headed yeah. monster up there. Maybe Carlos No, like listen. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. But I, I always go with, if the game's tight, who will get a goal? So in, I don't think Vasquez for Cincy, I don't think he's been firing on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. Penza last game was running. He's coming back a little bit too deep. And I don't see them as dangerous around a goal, unless it's going to be a, a moment of a magic from Acosta. You can't rely on that in a tight game. Mario. When I look at... Barrier or something, yeah. But I, I don't like relying on magic. I want to rely on something I know. And I know Cucho Hernandez is is on fire. I know that he's he's scoring a goal in this game. I know Diego Rossi has that in him, you know. And then I, it's the same with LAFC. I know Carlos Vela, if you let, if he's in and around the box, he's way more dangerous than any Houston attacker. Danny Boanga, way more dangerous. And that's what I put my chip. That's where I bag my chips. I have to, you know. Okay, so we got to talk about Minnesota United. We've wrapped up the entire league, but I want to talk about Minnesota United as we talk about how the season has gone, the parity of this league, the competition, the quality, and it almost feels like just getting to the postseason, I know you mentioned it, but it's almost not good enough anymore. People want to get to that next level. You have to have aspirations of going beyond just getting to the playoffs, especially if you – you know, the amount of teams that get in now with the wild card game. So when you look back right. at Minnesota United, when they came in in 2017, I know they came and played at Red Bulls every once in a while. Red Bulls came to Minnesota United yeah. as well. So faced you a number of times. But what do you see from this group and the iteration? Is the difference in Emmanuel Reynoso? Is it Robin Lud coming back to health? What does Pookie do for this team if he's in fine form? What do you see from this group? That's the trio right there. And then Longwane also. Yes. So I think, so I think Pookie now, I know that the stats look like he he done well in the end because he had a game where he got four goals. But Pookie isn't the Pookie he has to be next year. I think he has to almost feel like a new signing again. If you can get Pookie banging in goals week in, week out, you're on fire because you already have Reynoso, one of the best. You know, I know we've forgotten because Minnesota, the season was up and down. He wasn't here for earlier in the season. Listen, when it comes to just being a number 10, Reynoso is, is up there with the best of them. And then Lourdes, you lose Lud, he's injured. This is this is tough for any team. Robin Lud is that guy that that 
you know, he's not amazing on the eye, but impactful every game. That's how I view him, you know. And when you're missing all those players, I don't know if they were all on the same field at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then for me, Longwane was a had a big say in your season. You know, while Renoso wasn't there, Puki not fired on all cylinders. Longwane for me carried you guys up the table and got you to as far as you you could go. You know, pleasant surprise. I didn't know much about him, but he's he's unbelievable. One player for me to watch next season. I'm looking out for him with a full season. And then lastly, just when you look at the coaching change, you know, the the new uh, chief soccer officer, sporting director, you know, all the different titles that come with it now hasn't yeah. arrived yet, to my knowledge, um, in yeah, Minnesota. Know yeah, finishing up. And then also, what does that mean for the position? I believe roster decisions have to be made by Friday for any team that's not still playing. Yeah. You've been a part of a lot of different clubs and a lot of different teams and coaching changes and whatnot. What does that do for a group when you sort of maybe have, I don't want to call it uncertainty, but the coaches, what is that? Head, you know, what, how does that look as a player? It is uncertain. It is uncertainty. And I've been in a situation at, um, at Red Bull and I would say to the Minnesota fans and the players, if anyone is watching, stay out of things that don't concern you. Because I remember when Mike Petke left, everybody was worried they didn't know. We didn't know much about Jesse Marsh. And then look how that story went. You know, he, he yeah. was very good, changed the whole culture of the club, brought in some good players and brought in some good coaching staff. So if, if Minnesota think this is the right direction to go, it's about, it's about trusting and buying in. Because would Houston have said Ben Olsen was the right man for this job? I don't know if they would have said that, you know, when Ben Olsen first came in. But he had a bunch of players, uh, uh, a franchise that backed him. They bought in to the culture. And look where they are now. So as it, whoever comes in, Minnesota needs somebody that is, is going to be there long-term, is given a bit of time, and they buy into that the product that is being offered. And then lastly, on that note, because I love that piece, I mean, it's kind of true in any aspect of life, you know, control what you can control. Yeah. Not to worry too much on things that you can't control. How important it is, is it for the veterans of that team, as you were one with Red Bulls, to sort of lead that line in that, the way you conduct yourself, your thinking, your in the locker room, having conversations with guys, how much, how important is that? Oh, that's, that's massive. That's something I realized as I got older. And again, at Red Bull, it's something I learned, you know, I was asked to be a leader and, I, and before I didn't understand, I'm like, you don't want me as a, as a leader. Trust me, I'm not that person, but you realize how important it is to, to set standards for, for young players or new players coming into that club to understand what it means to be here. What is, what is training every day? How, how does that look every day? You know, even little things like getting to training on time. Certain things you do, just looking after new players that come in. The, the senior players and the players that have been there the longest have a huge responsibility to, you know, when the manager's not around, to make sure things are, are running smoothly and going how they should. Um, I'm a big believer in that. Like I said, I'm a Red Bull 2 coach now, and I think one of the big things for us is we didn't have enough older players. And even with the first team, there wasn't enough senior players. And then when it gets to tricky parts of the season or, or tough parts of the season, you struggle because there's, there's no experience in there. There's no, there's no know-how. Um, so the, the older players there have a big responsibility, especially while there's this little uncertain period. They, they have to really, you know, set the tone. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. I know I kept you way longer than I told the MLS PR oh, guy, Kirk, no, that, I was going yeah. to, that I was going to keep you. Um, but I appreciate you taking the time and breaking it all down. Thank I look you. forward to watching you guys on the weekend. Um, and and tuning in to make sure we can watch this hell is real derby and then see if uh, yeah. Houston could pull off the massive upset because they love being the underdog. They've enjoyed it all season long.
If I'm wrong, you can send me a tweet or something and we'll have a little bit of banner. I'm sure somebody will blow you up. I won't have to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the problem. We uh, get paid to have opinions, but everybody thinks you're supposed to know the right answer. Yeah, exactly. So. I think we know. They don't know. I'm just a, a father of three. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A legendary father of three. We appreciate you taking the time, Bradley. Have a great rest of your, uh, what day is it today? Thursday. It's Thursday. Thursday yes. Yeah. Have a great rest of your Thursday. Look forward to seeing you on the weekend. And thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me. Bye, Kendra. Bye. See you later. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of Sound of the Loons. We'll catch you next week after the conference finals wrap up.